Women and men are created equal by God. Different, but equal. And I think the good part of the women's liberation idea is that women and men, although different, are equal in the eyes of God. Our Bibles teach that. But the downside of it is that women, in the name of women's live, they end up with potty mouths like they're sinful guys that they're around. And nobody ever wrote a poem about a girl who can curse like a truck driver. Like, oh yeah, my girl's so cool, she's got nasty mouth. In times of uncertainty, we tend to cling to anything that brings security. But if that thing isn't God, then it's unstable. Money, jobs, people, nothing is guaranteed. And reaching out to God, however, we are promised that He will care for everyone who comes to Him. A godly woman seeks God's will in every situation. That's just one of the issues that Pastor Daniel will cover in his message today about the woman described in Proverbs 31. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Woe Man. I'm a classic, I can't say a classic dude, because guys today are like half feminine, you know? Where it's like guys spend more time trying on jeans than their wives do. That's just sad in my estimation. And some of you guys are taking your wife's pants. Give them back to your wife. They weren't made for you anyway. I'm just being honest. I'm, listen, I don't know what's wrong. Man, the boys today is a problem. So anyway, I'm the kind of guy, <laughs> I'm the kind of guy where if I walk into a store, if I need to go buy a shirt, the first thing that falls off the shelf and hits me in the face, I just buy it. Right? Because it's like, I don't want to shop. Why would I want to shop? Right? And praise God for the advent of the internet. Because now I don't even have to go into the store. I can just go online, I can look at like two different places, and something, I'm like, that'll look good, click buy, it shows up, even if it doesn't fit, I wear it anyway, and you all know that's true. <laughs> right? And then every once in a while, because Lynn doesn't like the way I dress, she'll be like, I'll go buy you some clothes, I'm like, praise God. Because then I'll, I have the, the chance of looking nice, right? So, but Lynn, and you moms know what it's like, because it's like, you go, and you're like, man, I got to make sure my kid's got the right clothes on, I got to get this, and like, Lynn knows, when it's time to go grocery shopping, I get this thing at here, I go this thing to Fred Myers. I go to Trader Joe's for this, I get, can get this thing cheaper at Costco, and she saves us a ton of money, because she has done the legwork. And so, for sisters, listen, don't shop till you drop, and don't go into debt, but be good stewards of what God has given you, Amen. And you have all these verses here. But this woman, she's strong. She's generous. She's well prepared that nothing catches her off guard. And all the while, she's still put together decently. Now, look what it says in verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supports and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. In these verses, we learn that this woman, this woe man, she is both joyful and she is wise. She is joyful and wise. These verses are amazing. Notice, it says that her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Now, 
The city gates was the place where the elders of the land gathered together. It was like the county seat. All the decisions for a community was made in the city gates. And what you find here is because this woman is following after the Lord and taking care of everything, we see that her husband is now elevated to a place of being a leader within the community because of his wife's having everything together because he can trust her. And it, it reminds me, how many of you guys remember the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? You guys remember? That was a fun movie, right? There's that one scene, remember, where the daughter is talking to her mom, and she's like, listen, your dad may be the head, but the mom is the neck, <laughs> right? The idea that the head is the head, but the neck can move the head wherever it wants, that's what this verse is talking about. Really, you, you didn't expect me to say that. But really what it's saying is that when a man, in this case, when a man has a godly wife, right, he will be elevated in his community because he can be somebody who is involved in all these things because his wife takes care of the things that are within her purview. And what you find, and anyone who's married, you realize this, your spouse either builds you up and helps you succeed or they tear you down and keep you from what God wants in your life. Now, right as I say that, all sorts of things fire in people's hearts. The key is, is if you're married, how are you doing at this? Not, I sure hope my spouse heard that. Because it, see, and I believe this is one of the ways that Satan gets into marriages in the 21st century. Because you forget that you're a team and you either win as a team and you lose as a team. See, our culture is individualistic. So you have the tendency, well, if I win and I do it at the expense of my spouse, then I win. No, if you win and your spouse is diminished, you lose. You lose. You're together. See, and as this woman, this biblical woman is doing all that's in front of her, her husband now takes a place amongst the elders of the city as somebody of influence because she's, and I think that in our culture, that goes both ways. If you are in a family where your wife works outside of the home, then husbands, you have that responsibility. And you do that together. I find it with Lynn doing women's ministry now. That because now she's serving in ministry here at Crossroads and in a leadership capacity, I have to adjust some things so that she can have the fullness of the impact that God wants to have through her life. And I have to make sure that I make sure that I care for her. And I take care of things. And on Tuesday night, you know, when I come home, I'm like, she just hands me the kids. She gives me a kiss. And I just take the kids. She doesn't need to know anything about what's going on. I'm sure I just pump them full of sugar and everything. That's dad's job. You know what I mean? But it's like I take care of that stuff so that she can maximize the impact that God wants through her life. So you see how that works? So he's elevated in the community because of his wife's wisdom. Not only that, we get back in verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies sashes for the merchants. I like this. This woman isn't only like, I have my own little small business here in Clark County. She's like, man, I got me a global merchandise business. She's supplying, she's got distribution going on here. She's like, she's got, she's got a great business model going here. But notice, strength and honor are her clothing. Verse 25, she shall rejoice in time to come. Wow. Remember I said, that this woman is both joyful and wise, because strength and honor are her clothing, she shall rejoice when? In time to come. This is big. This is big. It doesn't say she will rejoice right then. She will rejoice in time to come. I think this is huge because the problem with our culture 
today is we're so used to getting everything right as we want it that we've lost the art of delayed gratification, right? We've lost the ability to realize that certain things I have to do now which aren't fun that are going to have a lasting long-term impact that I do it now and I deal with what it is now because the future is important. Anybody who's a parent, you know what that's like. Because you fight with your kids to eat their salad because you know that if all you do is give them junk food, they're not going to be healthy in the long run. You got to give them some vegetables. And no, no, deep fried anything is not a vegetable, right? So me and Lynn, we fight with our kids to try and get good food in them, right? Like we bribe them. We're like, look, we'll give you a s'more after you eat that stuff. Now, I realize that might not be the best way, but we love our kids enough and we fight with them enough about these things because we care about them. And sometimes when you are a godly person, you're willing to take the brunt of something in the near term, knowing that in the long term, it bears fruit. I think about my own bride. Together, we planted a number of churches. I remember when we we got married and we were in New Jersey, and then it was like, okay, we're going to move to the Bay Area and we're going to plant a church. And, and like, I had a full-time salary and everything, oh, but I was one years old. Like, okay, we're just going to give up all that. We're going to move across the country. We'll see what's going to happen. It was a step of faith. And it was like, man, I'm going to have to work a job. I'm going to have to plant a church. And then once that church started to build up, we're like, we're going to plant another church. And we talked about, man, this is going to be tough. It's like, we already have a church that we're pastoring and I'm already working on this. And and we have, at that point, we had two kids. It's like, okay, do we really want to do this? And she's like, it's amazing. We sat down, we prayed. I'm like, look, babe, we're not going to do this unless you're all the way in. You have to be as committed to this as I am. She's like, man, it's going to be hard. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, listen, and you have to come in with me every Sunday. You can't, you can't just go to the Mill Valley Church. You have to go with me to the city. I don't want to be going in and out of the city by myself. It's a bad idea. And sure enough, she prayed to us. She's like, it's going to be hard, but I believe God's called us to. Let's do it. Let's do it. She was counting the cost. And we did it because we knew that God wanted to do something. See, and sometimes in being a godly person, you do things in the near term that are hard because you know that you need to do it so that long term, God can do what he wants to do. And that's a hard thing, isn't it? And it's especially a hard thing in the midst of a family because Everybody, what's going to happen? How's it going to work? But this woman is joyful because she realized God's at work in and through her and her family. And she's willing to make those decisions. So she's joyful. And, and listen, I love verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. So I said, not only is she joyful, she's wise. All through the book of Proverbs, haven't we been seeing almost every single week this summer since we've been doing Proverbs, it talks about what we say, right? What we say is a window into the heart. What comes out of our mouth is either foolishness or wisdom, right? Over and over again. And now you have the woe man, the Proverbs 31 woman here. When she opens her mouth, out comes wisdom. And the law of kindness is on her lips. Now, don't you love that? Shouldn't everything we say be wise and kind? doesn't matter who you are. Are you speaking wisdom or foolishness? If you're speaking anything that goes contrary to God's word, you're speaking foolishness. And I love the idea of kindness. My Lynn always says to me, Daniel, kindness matters. You know? Kindness tells our kids, kindness matters. And there's this little uh, meme going around the internet that we should be kind to everybody because we don't know what they're going through. 
Isn't that true? Everyone's fighting a battle. At the very least, we can be kind. We can say something with kindness, which has a heart disposition of love. This woe man, she's wise and gracious in her speech. She's good. She has practical common sense. And what she says is kind, not degrading or tearing down. I think that's the thing that bugs me the most. You know, the idea of women's liberation. I believe that women and men are created equal by God, different but equal. And I think the good part of the women's liberation idea is that women and men, although different, are equal in the eyes of God. And our Bibles teach that. But the downside of it is that women, in the name of women's lib, they end up with potty mouths like they're sinful guys that they're around. And nobody ever wrote a poem about a girl who can curse like a truck driver. Like, oh yeah, my girl's so cool, she's got a nasty mouth. <laughs> and, and that's in, in the name of freedom. It's like, no, that's just, like you just acquired the bondage that guys have. Like, that's nasty. Like, no one said, oh, I want to kiss the lips of her who's got such a nasty mouth. <laughs> Amen, right? But when you meet somebody, in the, there's, there's wisdom and kindness. You're like, yeah, yeah. And not only that, we, we find out here in verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's a watchman in her family. She looks at all that's going on. She knows what's going on in her home, amongst her loved ones, the people she's responsible for, and she's keeping watch over it. Now, look at how this section ends here. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Finally, we find that this woe man, she fears the Lord and is praised. She fears the Lord and she is praised. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. See, this Proverbs 31 woman, this woman of valor, her children praise her for being a godly woman, and her husband does as well. Her husband comes in and says, Look, notice the praise. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. See, listen, too often praise comes from outside, not inside, right? Now, I think there's two reasons for it. One, it's really easy to praise somebody when you don't really know them, right? Like you know them from the outside a little bit, and it's like, oh, yeah, you're so wonderful. And it's a different thing when you see someone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and all that stuff, right? So oftentimes praise comes from the outside, but for this woman, it comes from the inside. I think another reason, though, praise doesn't come from the inside enough is because there's an old saying that says familiarity breeds contempt. And I think sometimes we're so used to somebody that we don't ever take the time to praise them. When was the last time you praised your spouse? Children, when was the last time you praised your parents? When was the last time you said to your parents, thank you so much for providing for me? You know, I know that you're, sometimes we get into it and I don't like the decisions you make, but I'm grateful that you care about me enough to not want me to do some things. See, we need to learn how to be affirming in our words. 
We have to learn how to do that. You know how we learn? Because God is affirming in his words, isn't he? When God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's a beautiful thing of affirmation, isn't it? When God says, look, no matter where you go, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm not going to quit loving on you. We have to learn how to praise. And this woman is praised because of her actions. And then I love it. Verse 30 might be, for me, one of the most important verses in the whole of the Bible. Because although it's in the context of a woman, these realities are very real to you. Notice what it says. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. See, our culture is big on appearances, how you look, beauty, you know? Or we say beauty for women, we say handsomeness for men, right? But guess what? Beauty's passing. You know, and you can see it real easy because, you know, and it's easy with the, with the movie stars because there, there's so many pictures of them. But you know what it's like when there's a movie star and they get older, right? And, they, and they're, as they're aging, they start getting all this plastic surgery. And by the time they're done, they look like a zombie with makeup on. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, how sad. Because they bought into the lie that beauty stays the same. Beauty changes over time. And what is today the most beautiful thing? How many of you look back at your middle school pictures and you gasp in horror? Yeah. You were really cool then, weren't you? I won't, you will never see one of my middle school pictures ever. Right? It's like beauty passes. And for a culture that spends so much time on the externals, we have to remember that it's passing. But then in other spheres, it's charm, being put together. You know, there was things, I don't know if they have them anymore, debutantes, right? Like where you teach the girl how to be the, the proper woman. Oh, well, thank you, sir. So nice. Oh, thank you, sir. Or however that all works. As you can tell, I never went to charm school. They don't have those in New Jersey, you know what I mean? But listen, charm is deceitful. Somebody can turn on the charm and smooth you right out of your money, right? And, and we put a big, we have to be put together. And when you sit down at the properly, you know, know what I love about the properly set table? I just want a fork and a spoon and a knife, right? But I realize there's a proper way. And, and like, there, some of you poor girls, your mom sit you down. Like, you eat from the leftover and you wait and you, you never take the first bite. There's this whole, like, world of etiquette. It's not bad, but it can be deceptive. You try and pretend you're something you're not. So we're reminded that beauty is temporary. Charm, it can be shady. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Do you realize, how many of you were here when we studied Proverbs 1, first week, right? The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. Now you get to the end of Proverbs, Proverbs 31, the woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. That is, see, this is the most important idea in the entire book of Proverbs. That is that we fear the Lord. Now listen, you can believe in Jesus and not fear the Lord. You can. You could say, I believe in Jesus, but you don't live like it because you do not fear the Lord. It's very easy to have the, I'm a Christian but you don't live like you fear God. And we always say, fearing God is both fearing his authority. You drive differently when a cop is behind you. Because you fear his authority to pull you over. 
Would you live differently if Jesus was always looking over your shoulder? If you would, Jesus is already looking over your shoulder. Not because he's trying to catch you doing something wrong, because he loves you too much to take his eyes off of you. See, you can believe in Jesus and not live like it because you do not fear the Lord. And we fear breaking God's heart. That's the other side of it. It's not just God's authority. It's relationally. When you really love someone, you fear hurting them. You think to yourself, I would never want to hurt them. Every morning I wake up and say, God, let me live that I would never break Lynn's heart because I love her. And Lord, left out to my own devices, I might be in a knucklehead. See, that's a relational fear where you're saying, I love this person and I don't ever want them to be hurt by my actions. See, the woman of valor, the wife of valor is a woman who fears God and she lives in the reality that God is real and that she is not. And I think, my friends, in this generation, we don't need more churches we don't need more outreaches. We need God's people to walk in the reality that God is real. There's so much Christianity that is just, it's a little sprinkling of Jesus on just good old-fashioned American living. And it's not doing anything. See, but when somebody fears the Lord, they live differently. They value things differently. They handle things differently. And I believe in this generation, my prayer for the Crossless family is that we don't just believe in Jesus, but we live like it. We live fearing God. We say, God, I know that you are doing a work. And see, when you fear the Lord, then you confess your sins. Not because you feel that you're going to get caught. You say, I'm messing up and God's told me and I fear God and I want to change. And the only way to change is to drag that stuff into the open and say, I'm messing this thing up. And then other people who fear the Lord, they don't judge you. They're like, man, I'm messing things up too. I'm going to walk with you on your thing. You walk with me on my thing. See, we have too much Jesus without fearing God, which isn't real Christianity. It's just cultural Christianity. And I just think it's so fascinating that this woman, she is beautiful. She is charming. She is put together. But the thing that makes her praiseworthy is that she fears God. And she lives her entire life under the reality that everything that I do reflects my relationship with God. And ultimately, as this thing closes, give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. <laughs> so cool. Her husband doesn't have to praise her. Somebody else doesn't. How she lives is a witness unto itself. That's what it says here. This woman does not need her husband's praise or her kids' praise. Her own life testimony brings her praise in the public square because she is a witness. She's a witness. So brothers and sisters, as I close, listen. Whether you're a sister or a brother here today, Jesus died and rose again that we would be valuable because we are people of noble character. Jesus is Kindness, wisdom, generosity, these qualities aren't often considered strong, but as we heard today, they definitely are. Not only do these things require a lot of selflessness and strength of character, they also nurture and strengthen the people who receive them. 
Every morning, most of us do the same thing. We get up and push the button on the most important appliance in our house, the coffee maker. (laughs) A hot, steamy cup of coffee magically appears. We get our day started. This month, we want to be a part of that morning ritual. We always like to say thank you to those that choose to support Jesus is Real Radio. This month, for anyone who gives a donation of any amount, plus shipping and handling, to Jesus is Real Radio, well, we'll send you a Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Every morning, you can fill up your Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug and remember to pray for us. We want to see God do amazing things through Jesus is Real Radio and you can help. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the partner option to receive your own Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will begin the last message of this series in Proverbs, where we'll find out why God wants us to be holy risk takers, a group of believers that can change the world. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series entitled God's Tweets. Until then, may God bless.